0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Leskins, your host. As always, this week, we are talking finance. And the reason for that is, well, there's just a lot going on. The RBA is sitting on their hands whilst everyone is telling them to get up. APRA is pulling the strings a little bit and the banks are starting to pull the weight so we thought we'd get the heavyweight in mortgage broking in western australia into the room sam carello from napoleon how are you going mate i'm good treating yourself mate you like that intro <laughs> it was uh, pretty sharp so i don't know how
0: true it is <laughs> but yeah i'll take it
1: your humility is always on point mate finance market right now first thing that everyone's asking the question on rates what's going on variables are staying the same fixed rates going up what's happening
0: Yeah, absolutely crazy out there at the moment. So there's been a heap of changes probably the last three to four weeks in terms of rates. So we were in that honeymoon phase of where we're having sub 2% fixed rates. And that's whilst the RBA was buying up all these three-year bonds to keep the interest rate low. They've now pulled out of that and said, oh, we think the economy is at a stage where we no longer need to do that. RBA was saying, we want to hold rates till 2024, the cash rate. Mm. They've now revised that and said, we'll hold it to when we need. As a result, there was a bit of a run on bonds and we're seeing the fixed rates increase. So, some buy as high as 0.6%. So, a lot of the banks were sitting sort of that 1.89, 1.99 for two years. For an owner-rock? owner of P&I yep now principal and interest as an example Bankwest went from 1.89 to 2.49 that's massive last week on the two-year rate so massive increase most banks went up by sort of 0.3 0.4
1: Bankwest just went massive I don't really understand why they went so far
0: there's other reasons behind it too They're they're uh, process wise at the moment they were gaining a huge amount of deal flow and their turnaround times were extending out as part of that so well, I just think pulling the reins a little bit commercially Correct. Yeah. I think their complex deals were out at 20 business days, which for Bankwest isn't what they it's want. It's not good enough. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, they were sharp. So, out of the majors, they were the sharpest in terms of rates. So, they'll probably get a fair bit of flow. So, what they've done is they've gone, all right, let's place ourselves 15 points above everyone else and slow that flow and, and speak into our BDM that that's happened. Mm. So, they're just working through the backlog now.
1: Can you just explain quickly, we really jumped into the bonds market for a second yeah. and how that went up. Yeah. How does the bonds market affect the banks and their interest rates. And most specifically, I guess we're talking about fixed rates.
0: That's right. There has been a massive increase in those rates. So I guess it's where the the banks source their money from.
1: Because the banks don't just have the money. They are also lending the money from the wholesale space and they're on lending that to people like us.
0: Correct, yeah. So, they'll buy a package of, of funds, say, say for two years. They'll buy that at a certain rate and then they'll obviously put their margin on and then lend it to the consumer.
1: Carve it all up and then lend it all in little $500,000 packages. Correct, yeah. Yep. So, they know if they buy
0: it at, say, 1% and they on-lend it at 2%, they've got their margin in there and that's why if you do take a fixed rate and then you break it and rates have gone down, the bank actually charge you a fee to get out because they're making a loss on the money. Mm. If rates have gone up, you can actually exit that,
1: break uh, that fixed rate for a fairly minimal amount of dollars well let's talk super strategically about that now right so everyone gets nervous about oh i might sell in the next year should i not get a fixed rate but the fixed rates are still fairly competitive if we're all confident that the rate going to keep going up is there minimal risk then in taking a fixed rate even if you think you're going to sell in five months I think with the fixed rates, and I guess as we discussed before, there's
0: other things around it as well. So, you know, with your fixed rate, you don't have your offset account limited in terms of extra repayments. If, if you were to fix for two years and you took that hedge... If I had a client come in and say, oh, Sam, I'm going to sell in six months, I I personally wouldn't be recommending a fixed rate because it's not the right product for the client. Mm. If the client wanted to take that risk, it is a risk. So, that wouldn't be under my advice. My advice would be let's just keep it variable because you are going to sell in six months or,
1: or that's the plan.
0: But yeah, someone hypothetically could do that just, I guess, yeah, just wouldn't be the right advice to give.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really good point because people are always trying to game the system a little bit. And the reality is what I'm trying to point out is, as you said before, if you took a fixed rate now and the market moved upwards from there, there would be no economic cost to the bank and therefore, other than maybe an administrative fee, you'd be lucky enough in that situation where you probably wouldn't get charged much of a break fee, right? Whereas the other way, if you take a fixed rate and then you try and get out because the rates are lower, you'll get smashed, Correct, yeah, that's right. That's how it works. Correct,
0: yeah. So it'd just be a small admin fee, but you know, what happens if the world falls apart and rates drop, Mm. then you've got a client paying a break cost, which they shouldn't be.
1: So interest rates are starting to move on the fixed side, are they moving on the variable side as well? Because the RBI hasn't actually moved their cash rate yet. Correct, yeah. Cash rate's still seen at 0.1. And it's interesting, a lot of the economists
0: out there, (laughs) depending who you ask, they'll give you a different answer. We've got some banks, economists think CBA was saying November 2022 is when they were expecting it, and P was the same. The likes of, I think, NAB and ANZ were were expecting 2023 for cash rate movement. Variable rates have been fairly steady. If not, there's been actually a few reductions. Just getting closer to the fixed rate, there was a a big gap between your fixed and the variable. The fixed was lower. Correct, yeah. Yep. And in a lot of cases, I mean, if we take Bankwest as an example as well, for a 20% deposit, their two-year fixed rate was 189, their variable was 247. So, so we, that, why would you take a variable unless you needed flexibility, right? Correct, yeah. 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 yeah, obviously, all has to be suitable, but that was a big change. Now, with these fixed rates increasing, we've seen the uh, difference between the two obviously shrink.
1: Given the cash rate hasn't dropped, though, are they just making commercial decisions, taking a smaller margin to be able to be more competitive as a variable rate?
0: Yeah, probably to attract clients in. I mean, it's all about flows. So Because they're not doing that with a
1: fixed rate anymore. They need another product to do it with?
0: Yeah, to try and get business in. And I guess the, it probably just hedges them a bit too. Hmm. You know, Obviously, with a variable rate, they can increase that at any time. So you could sign up today on a certain rate and then tomorrow... The rate increases. Unfortunately, in the last three to four weeks, a lot of clients who we've been dealing with who have been taking fixed rates. No rate lock. Correct, yeah. It's offered, but then some people say, why should I pay a you know, $750 fee? For it's something. a gamble. Correct, yeah. yeah. And then when it changes, some banks might give you a day, a heads up. Some won't. Some will just will get the email on a Friday saying, oh, we've moved our rates as of today. But yes, it is a gamble. At the same time, I just want to point out even that two-year rate at Bankwest at 2.49 fired off you 2.49 two years ago.
1: I would think. What's the catch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So money's still, still extremely yeah. cheap. It's just not those headline rates of you know sub two percent. Or some very smart and lucky people who have locked their mortgages in for three, four years over the first half of this year, who will be reaping that benefit for the next few years to come yeah correct so these interest rate rises that in the fixed space we have seen in the variable space over the next year or so we'll probably start seeing some some movement how are we seeing that affecting borrowing for people have you actually even seen in western australia a situation where someone wanted to get a certain amount but they can't now or is it probably more affecting the east coast with their max out on their debt to income ratios and we're not there yet Debt to income ratio, good touch point. There's a few regulatory changes that have been brought in. The first
0: one's the, the buffer rate. So the buffer rate was 2.5% above what a client would receive as a, as a rate. It's been increased to 3 So I guess as an example, say someone signed up for a mortgage at 2.7% in October and before they would have been assessed as if the rate was 52 So that's the stress test there. Now if they were to sign up at that rate of 27 they're now assessed at 5.7. So what we've seen, that effect there, it's probably a 5 to 10% reduction in borrowing capacity for the average consumer.
1: Is that affecting your clients? You're actually having issues there or are most clients nowhere near where they could actually afford anyway? Correct,
0: yeah. So WA, we're very affordable. So I know you don't like using the median house price, but I'll, throw some, <laughs> I'll throw some figures out. So Sydney median house price is about 1.3 mil. The average wage for a family... Uh, is one hundred thirty-seven thousand, as per the ABS, approximately. In Perth, median house price is what five sixty-five. Average wage for families one forty-six a year.
1: This is what catches me all the time. I cannot believe people think on a broader base in Australia we're going to see the same effect in the West Coast as they're expecting the East Coast when it comes to interest rate rises. The stress levels are so much more minimal in Western Australia than they have been for years in Sydney. Correct, yeah.
0: And if the second change comes in, which is that debt-to-income ratio, so what, what's happening here is that potentially, and, and some banks have already brought it in on their own, uh, they're looking to limit your debt level to six times your income. So with that, what it is is say you're a punter on $100,000 a year, the bank will limit you to a maximum loan of 600000 That hasn't been brought in with all banks yet. So a few of the banks, second tiers, et cetera, are
1: choosing to do it on their own. We've seen it for a while. You know, we've seen Bank of Queensland and Virgin, which is owned by Bank of Queensland, come out a few times with these debt-to-income ratios for investors and self-employeds and people like that.
0: Yeah. So, that it's been in play, but it hasn't been enforced. Mm. So, you can still borrow more than six times your income, typically with the majors.
1: When you look at those average
0: wage versus median house price, if you're doing six times your average wage in Sydney, you're borrowing about 850000 if the average house price is 1.3 million, you then have to come up with half a million bucks Not just to happen. complete. Correct. Yeah,
1: that is going to absolutely structurally knacker the East Coast if that comes in. Correct. As Perth, well, our median wage. is still 565. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on an on average wage of 146, you know, you're
0: borrowing just shy of 900,000. There's plenty of fat in there yeah. so for prices to increase.
1: Yeah. And I think everyone, this is where I love talking at this level on this podcast because you can have the headlines, you read them in the AFR, you read them on Perth now, for example, where you see that and on a national basis the commentary says we're gonna see corrections, the Australian market's gonna drop. More specifically in Western Australia, this is the data. What's re- the really good intel is what you've just said there and, and analyzed there is that we are so far in that fat level, but before that becomes a problem for us, yes it will affect certain people, but on average for it to become a problem for us for our industry. We've got a bit of space there.
0: Yeah, and that's you know, those figures we, we spouted were median and average wage, which yep. is the average. So obviously there's gonna be people above that and, and people below that line as well.
1: That's probably gonna affect from my perspective a couple of people. One, people who are probably in a low income space. If they're earning sixty, seventy thousand dollars, you get a six six to one cap on there. It can really affect you know just buying a median house price house straight away which is which is a struggle for people it's going to make it hard and also those people with multiple properties where it just starts the debt starts to add up correct yeah i think it's designed to maybe
0: take investors out of the market somewhat if you look at six times income and you're making say twenty five thousand on a rental property well if your base wage is 100 plus the 25 it's 125 times six mm. you can potentially imperfor afford two properties if you then add another twenty five thousand a year in income Unless you've got plenty of cash behind you, it's unlikely you're going to hold three, four. Sydney, it'd be uh, pretty impossible.
1: <laughs> so to be more specific on how this affects the individual, that buffer rate of 0.5%, what I've been reading about, how I've been calculating it as well, is that if someone could get a mortgage for 400000 they can now get a $380,000 mortgage. If someone could get a million-dollar mortgage, they can now max out at 950, just because of that 0.5% change. you in the same space there? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so we've seen a reduction of about 5% borrowing capacity based on that. And what that's going to lead to do is people who have done their calculations recently, people who are in the development space, investment space, first homeowners if they got a pre-approval a few months ago, I would assume that we're probably in a space now where the calculators on the banks have been updated and probably worth going and rechecking that pre-approval.
0: Yeah, definitely. None of the banks have the same policy or same process. So some banks will honour, to say you're pre-approved pre-30th of October, they will honour that pre-approval for 90 days. Other banks will say, well, hang on a sec, we've changed our assessment policy. So when you do go to move that to a formal approval, we're going to assess you on the new buffer and you could find yourself in a bit of strife if you've gone off your old
1: pre-approval. Turnaround times you mentioned earlier. If I can segue back into that possibly, you were speaking about Bank West pushing out to 20 business days, which is a month, which is not cool. You'd struggle to have confidence as a broker unless you had some special favours in the bank to get this thing approved on time for your client on a normal 28, 30 day finance period. Where are they sitting at the moment? Last year, we knew a lot of banks because of COVID were just struggling massively. Yep. There's a bit of leeway from the real estate agents. Everyone was pretty understanding. Have they started to fix that up across the industry? And are, are there still banks that we can point out today that I guess no go zones for us right now in terms of having confidence that we'll get it approved in time.
0: Yeah, so I'll point on that Bankwest one. Uh, so that's for what they consider a complex deal, which they consider self-employed, etc. So not all types, you know, your, your PAYG, I think they're seeing it at 12 or 13 business days. At the same time, BDMs and, and Bankwest, they are saying, hey guys, if you do have a finance clause, let us know when it is and we'll work it in the system. The only downfall with that is, is if you've got to refinance in the system with Bankwest, Obviously, they only can get through so many files per day. Mm-hmm. So, if you've got to refinance, correct. Yeah. So, that's where they slow down. So, the banks that we're seeing that are a little bit slow and probably trying to steer clear from at the moment is probably your Bankwest and your ANZ. ANZ are as well, complex deals. So, we're talking self-employed, uh, guarantor, etc. I think they're 28 business days Jeez. at the moment. But then you've got the likes of Macquarie, and CBA have really come in. Uh, Macquarie are about one day, CBA a couple.
1: They've always been great. I've also noticed that NAB's picked the foals up pretty quickly as well. Yeah. ING too. Yep. The worst offender last year where they were just knackered 40, 50 days we were seeing was Westpac. How are they going?
0: They've brought it all in. So they're doing really well now too. Okay. So they had a massive firing spree last year. And we're now seeing that, you know, those boots are on the ground. They brought, I think, a lot of stuff back onshore, which has helped as well. But yeah, they did a massive hiring spree with a lot more credit assessors. And so, yeah, experience with Westpac has been, or Westpac Group, Westpac St. George, has been pretty positive recently.
1: That's good to know because it's not a great position to be in when you've got a big four bank offering great rates. You can't justifiably recommend that to your client because you don't have any confidence you'll actually get it approved in time. Correct.
0: And I guess that's where if you're having the right conversations with your, your broker, it's not all about rate. Rate's important, yeah, but it's about finding something that's suitable for the client, that meets their needs, that's going to meet your timelines. Because what's the best rate today? I mean, I hate to keep going back to that bank course, but that bank rate was probably top couple in the market. Mm. So what's best right now doesn't necessarily mean tomorrow it, it's going to be the best. So it's about getting the product and make sure that's suitable and then rate comes second.
1: Well, to talk about rates, let's finish the episode off with a bit of an update. So the last thing we talk about is people are thinking about those rates. Owner-occupier, P&I, what's the best rate in the market right now?
0: Yeah, so we've got a variable P&I, owner-occupier, ING, have brought down to 2.04, percent offset. Very good. Turnaround time with them is about five to seven business days. That's obviously for an 80% deal, but yeah, that's extremely sharp. I haven't seen anything quite like it.
1: Yep. Fixed rates on a maybe a... A two- or three-year fixed rate, where are you are putting your money right now? Yeah, so two-year
0: rate, I think they're still sort of hovering around that 2%. I think Westpac and St. George are still seeing about 204 Okay. Uh, for a two-year fixed rate P&I.
1: Over to investors, variable P&I?
0: and i uh, mid-twos, so I think Macquarie are doing a 2.49. Yep. Uh, interest only with them is 2.59, so there's not a huge difference between IO and, and P&I. And
1: I find that interesting. that All the banks, they used to have a bit of a half percent differential there and it's just really quite interesting to see how the commerciality has changed where some banks go, No, I don't we're happy to take on interest only and we're right up nearly at parity with each other.
0: Yeah, back then that was because there was a cap on how much interest only a bank could have on their book. Mm-hmm. So it was capped to thirty percent. So when that was brought in, which has now disappeared, and when that originally was brought in, they had to try and deter the interest only lending. So what you found is there was about half a percent difference between your principal and interest and interest only. That got removed a little while ago. And so we've slowly seen that interest-only and P&I gap shorten, which has been fantastic.
1: Yeah, which is what it was 5, 10 years ago. That used to really only be one product, one rate. Correct, yeah. It it's used a lot to be, easier to roll around.
0: It used to be an owner-occupied home or an investment home and yeah. you could choose principal and interest or interest-only. Yeah, you choose. It's like yeah. ice cream. Which yeah. which
1: flavor you like today? Yeah, that's yeah, it. It's all only the same insane. price. Yeah, And then finally, investment fixed
0: rates, two or three years. Uh, there's still some good rates there. I think if you look in interest-only, again mid twos i'd quote 249 there's been that many changes the last couple of weeks
1: it's up and down every day at the moment with the banks correct yeah to cut that off the fixed rates it was only six months ago where you'd be getting some really good deals on four years and even five year rates but yeah. I, I guess to pull it right back to the start of this conversation today with those longer term yield markets kicking up quite substantially what we've seen there is the four and five year rates are becoming a lot less competitive aren't they
0: Yeah, you go back probably four or five months ago, you could probably get a four year rate at 199, uh, owner occupied. That four year rate now, you're probably seeing around 2.7.
1: It's sort of out of the market a little bit. Yeah,
0: five year rates, you're probably looking north of 3%. So, depending on client strategy, that's where you maybe look. Well, maybe we sit on a variable for now and then see how we go.
1: Sam Corello, Napoleon Finance. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate your update. No, pleasure, Trent. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.